And now the Exit Coach Radio Show proudly presents the All-Star Review, a compilation of one-minute highlights from past guests. Hear more one-minute highlights and full interviews from these guests at ExitCoachRadio.com. You mentioned manufacturing. That's a perfect example of where the thinking today is very different from where it was even five years ago. And by that, I mean, traditionally, a company might look at outsourcing their manufacturing, let's say to China, as an example, in order to lower their their cost of production. Mm -hmm. But really with the consumer markets moving into those countries where they were outsourcing it makes a lot more sense today to look not at a unilateral outsourced manufacturing play but how can you develop a revenue base and profitability in that local market and maybe instead of doing all your outsourcing in china you also have uh, manufacturing in eastern europe or in latin america and they become concentric circles of new markets that you can sell your products and, and services into and the employees and, and protecting my employees and my employees have been here for 25 years and 20 years and i don't want them to be terminated and i don't want their benefits to be diminished and yep. i don't want this and i don't want that and you get the other issues where you've got a second in command who's not an owner but right. a mere employee okay and is mature, very material to the business mm-hmm. and can and can walk away tomorrow so you have to deal with those kinds of issues so employee issues are a big deal a huge deal because after what what's the saying i heard is most of my best assets go home yeah. every night yeah. right yeah. although they're not on the balance sheet a lot of the time uh, employees are a huge yeah. issue Really, if you think about it, employee benefits are an incredibly cost-effective way of compensating people. Uh, In fact, it's really the most cost-effective way of going about it. And when you really break it down, uh, the benefits is is really best seen as a form of compensation. And compensation is always a function of what you're trying to get out of your workforce in terms of productivity. Why do you say that that's uh, the most cost-effective way to pay someone? Well, it's tax-deductible to the employer, to the business, uh, and it's not taxable to the employee. uh, as oh, a, I got the right, payroll if, taxes, all right. of that. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm an employer and I choose to give an employee a $100 raise, they don't take home $100. Whereas if I give them $100 worth of benefit, they take home $100 worth of benefit. And a lot of these benefits employees should have on their own. So that if the employer is providing them for them, they're saving the employee money as well. Correct. One of the key elements of the book describes establishing a success team to work on your business planning and your exit planning. It's a team effort. Yeah, and the success team has about a dozen possible different members of it. You need an investment banker. You need an attorney. You may need several attorneys. You know, if you have a restaurant that makes its own beer, is your recipe protected by mm-hmm. yeah. copyright? Yeah, intellectual property is a big so deal. there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have an IT specialist on, on here. People ask, well, why would you? need that. Well, if your software isn't properly licensed, you're going to have trouble when you sell a company. So there's, it goes down into great detail. And another thing about it is that the book can be accompanied by software that we have that mirrors all of those checklists. Oh, that's So great. when you have a, a checklist for key vendors and service providers, you can load that all up into the software and put tasks in there like when should somebody contact this key vendor to tell them, oh, by the way, we're for sale, but don't get nervous. We're still going to use you. So right. right down to the littlest detail of making phone calls at a certain point in time to tell somebody something. There is the image of the place of work. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That impacts not just the impression of uh, the business, the perception of the business to the outside world, but it's also very important for the morale of the employees, where they come to work. Moving's expensive, and a lot of businesses are 
lazy about relocating mm-hmm. um, and they end up kind of ensconced in a functionally obsolescent warehouse or retail store something that doesn't uh, really work for them in a functional way apart from the image you need to take stock on what's important to make your company go mm-hmm. low rent uh, and watching your bottom lines very important mm-hmm. but what's the use of doing that if you're in a building where the parking is poor there's a lot of break-ins and you're not able to attract the good talent or keep the good talent at the company so you really need to take a good hard look at how your real estate can impact your business some of them are ready and some of them are saying you know what I'm just done it doesn't matter uh, you know, I'm just burned out. Get what you can for it and just put me on the market and get me out of this business. First step, actually, is to meet with them and see if we want to do business with them. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we do a business valuation and we're going to ask them for their last three years of tax returns, P&Ls, balance sheets. If it's manufacturing, we want to know what their backlog of orders are. So there are a lot of factors that go into that valuation. And then we'll talk to them again and say, based on the data you've provided, this is what we believe we can put the business on the market for to get it sold. Now, if I tell them it's worth a million two and they say, oh no, I have to have $5 million to retire, then I just say, okay, fine. Well, right now you're at a million two. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if you know you want to be in Disney World, that's great. Right. You need to know if you're starting from Minnesota or Texas because it's two different routes. I think we're the fifth or sixth largest client of United Healthcare, for instance. We have about 200,000 employees and their dependents on our health insurance plan, uh, and that really brings economies of scale into it. Typically, if a client uh, is working with us, they're going to find that their benefits cost is going to go down and the quality of their benefits is going to go up. That's a really big part. A company that's like a tech company, for example, is going to want to be able to bring in those high quality people and offer them great benefits while they're a small company. In a diagnosis, we're going to look at, of course, who's on the sales team. Mm -hmm. First of all, let's look at the skill set you need with those people. Mm -hmm. Then do you have the right people on board? Generally go out and make some sales calls with them, see how things are going in the field. Okay. We're going to look at the training that's in place. Mm -hmm. Okay. How are they being coached and led on a regular basis? We'll look at their strategy and annual sales plan, see what's in place or if one's in place. We're going to look at sales targets and how they're set and how people are held responsible, accountable for meeting them and come back and give a a report to the owner or the sales manager, depending on who we're we're working for, about here are the things that are working well in these areas, here are things that need to improve. So it might be you've got really good salespeople on your sales team, but when we're out making sales calls with them, we realize they had a challenge positioning your company's product or service against the competition. One of the things we're looking at is we probably need to do some training with these folks to help them understand how to position your company against the competition out there. What questions to ask, what examples to give, what stories to use, they can be more effective. Before I start working with any company on a project, I will do an audit, or either a full-scale human resources audit or an audit just for that particular topic to okay. understand it better. So that's like a diagnostic tool that you would do. Walk us yeah. through that. How does that work? Well, I have two levels of audit, actually. One is a small audit, which I call a bench audit. I sit and meet with the business owner or whoever their designee is, and we spend about two hours, and I go through about 170 questions. That gives me a high-level overview of where the gaps are in their human resources organization. Then some other companies want me to do a more in-depth audit, and then I come in actually on site for a full day, and there I would pull employee files, I would review their I-9 information, you know, make sure that they 
it goes into a lot more detail. I would review all their forms that they use. For instance, a lot of companies will use an employment application that's not legal in the state of California. So I would be looking at those kinds of things. Um, already established businesses that want to take their business to a higher level. I, I actually lived through this with my business partner, Ron Stock, and I. We, we graduated from you know one level of uh, advisor to another level and uh, in different areas like finance, accounting, marketing, um, and all those different areas, human resources, and so on. How many topics or chapters do you cover? Well, we have categories. We have about six authors of different sections of marketing. We have the finance section, HR section. We have a uh, section on exit planning, and we have a section on uh, advanced planning for retirement and that sort of thing. How long are the chapters? The book is 200 pages, and there's about 18 chapters. So it's uh, longer than a blog, but not a whole book, but a great resource filled with facts and tips that business owners can actually put into use. I've got plenty of stories. I'm going to pick one that was one of our first clients. Um, he came to us. He was in the uh, cable industry, uh, install, deinstall cable industry, and he worked using a lot of independent subcontractors. Uh, well, his people needed to be paid every seven days. And, of course, the cable companies he's working for are not paying every, you know, they're paying 30 days, 40 days, 50 days. And, and that cash crunch was continual. Uh, when he came to us, he had a few trucks and, and you know, maybe $10,000 $10, in sales. It was very early. Mm -hmm. um, after using our service less than two years, uh, he had got, grown to 45 trucks. Um, he, had, he was operating at a couple hundred thousand a month uh, and, and still growing. Um, and, and it was strictly because the cash flow restraint was gone. Uh, he knew that he would get the cash out of those invoices when he needed to pay his people. Uh, and, and that is a scenario we see time and time again whenever you have that big mismatch between when you get paid and when you have to pay out. Well, there you have it. Experts Corner, a wide variety of information from a wide variety of advisors. We'll replay this segment of the show on ExitCoachRadio.com. And we'll also have a list of the speakers who were featured in that segment available on the website. So check back later. We'll be right back after this commercial break.